Tonight, we're going to take a look um, at one of my favorite subjects, the rapture. We're going to start in 1 Kings 18, if you want to open your Bible there. But uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. I don't know how many of you follow prophecy uh, other than the updates that we do on Sunday morning and some things, but there were a whole bunch of people this year who thought the rapture was going to take place on the Feast of Trumpets because of the Revelation 12 constellation and some other um, numerical things that happen. I actually was hap- uh, hoping that it would take place. Uh, I think it could happen any time, but Feast of Trumpets would have been fine for me. Well, obviously that passed, and, and so uh, those people are disappointed. I'm not disappointed because I still believe that the Lord could come any day. Uh, we believe in imminence and uh, not in a particular date. Uh, but I, I, I got to thinking about the rapture, and I want to do a study called Rapture Prequels because there's some setup for the rapture in various parts of the Bible. According to the maker of Star Trek, it was a documentary, its creator, Gene Roddenberry's original plan did not include transporters, instead calling for the characters to land the starship every time. Uh, can you imagine how long that would take? However, this would have required unaffordable sets and model filming as well as episodes running time spent while landing and taking off, etc. You know, the opening where you see the wire holding the, the starship. I mean, they didn't really have the technology to land those ships in those days. So then they thought they'd all go down to the planets by shuttlecraft, uh, but when they started filming, the full-size shooting model was not ready, so they couldn't use the shuttlecraft. So transporters were devised as a less expensive alternative achieved by a simple fade-out, fade-in of the subject. Long before James Kirk never said, beam me up, Scotty, you realize he never said that in the original series. That's uh, one of those things that was never said. Uh, Believers, though, were being transported by God. In fact, being picked up and transported from one place to another was apparently quite common in the Old Testament, at least among the prophets. In the Old Testament book of 1 Kings, where I had you turn, the prophet Elijah tells Obadiah to convey a message from him to wicked King Ahab. Obadiah protests on the basis that God might suddenly pick up and transport Elijah away to another location, leaving Ahab to think Obadiah had lied to him. The encounter between them reads like this. It begins in verse uh, 7. Now, as Obadiah was on his way, suddenly Elijah met him, and he recognized him, and he fell on his face and said, Is that you, my lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your master, Elijah is here. So he said, how have I sinned that you are delivering your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they said he is not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. And now you say, go tell your master Elijah is here and it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from you that the spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I do not know. So when I go and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. And so Obadiah, the basis of his fear here was that Elijah would be suddenly carried away by the Spirit of God. And he would go tell the king that Elijah was here. And when the king came, the Spirit would have taken him away. This was so common that in 2 Kings chapter 2, if you want to go there to verse 16, A group of prophets supposed that Elijah had been transported by the Spirit to some remote location when, in fact, he had been taken to heaven. They said to Elijah's successor, Elisha, look now, there are 50 strong men with your servants. Please let them go and search for your master 
lest perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And so apparently they thought that these transports involved uh, hard landings, you know, that um, you, you, where God would just drop him off somewhere and he'd roll down the mountain. But they didn't think it strange whatsoever that the Spirit of God might transport a prophet from one location to the next. It was happening all the time. God likes to transport his servants from one place to the next. Some of these transports are from one location on the earth to another, and some of them are from earth to heaven. And so um, I think we can call them raptures. And just for fun, <coughs> I want to look at the raptures in which God miraculously transports his servants. Uh, the very first rapture in the Bible, of course, is uh, from earth to heaven, and that's Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. So I'll read it to you, Genesis 5, verse 21. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. And after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. All the commentators agree that he was translated without ever dying, taken directly to heaven. If there was any doubt, it is dispelled in Hebrews verse uh, 5 of chapter 11, which reads, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him, for before he was taken, he had his testimony that he pleased God. And so Enoch uh, didn't wa was not a believer. Then he uh, came to faith in, at age 65, walked with God for 300 years, and then God translated him to heaven without ever dying. He raptured him. Jude has quite a lot to say about Enoch in the New Testament. This is from verse 14 and forward on, in the book of Jude. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, because he was raptured and therefore never died, some suggest that Enoch might be one of the two witnesses that you read about in the book of the Revelation. We'll see them in just a minute. It's possible, of course, because we're not told who they are, but I would put my money on Moses and Elijah, mostly because they are the two who met with Jesus at his transfiguration to discuss the future. And so the only precedent we have for two witnesses who have something to do with the end times uh, from the Old Testament are Moses and Elijah because they were identified with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and they were talking about end times things. Uh, and so that would be my guess, but that's all it is, a guess. It could be Enoch, uh, it could be uh, people that are not even mentioned in the Bible, but Enoch um, is, uh, my, would be my second choice. Enoch was taken before the flood and thus avoided judgment upon the earth. He was a prophet who seemed to speak about the second coming of Jesus with his saints, way, way, way beyond his own time. So in this first rapture ever of Enoch, you see elements of the rapture of the church, such as being taken to heaven before judgment comes on the earth and preaching the Lord's coming again to encourage repentance and salvation. And so it's a prequel of the rapture and it's also a type of the rapture of the church. Elijah, we've talked about, he's the next saint to be raptured. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, it says, it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. 
And then it happened, verse 11, as they continued on and talked, that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And so Elijah is raptured into heaven while Elisha watches. His mantle falls off of him, and Elisha takes over his ministry. Elijah makes quite a few appearances on the earth after his rapture. As I mentioned, he and Moses are with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. In the book of Acts, two men are said to appear as Jesus ascends into heaven, who tell his disciples the Lord will return in like manner. We assume that they're angels, but we're not told they are. It's likely they are again Moses and Elijah because these are the two prophets, uh, or the prophet and the lawgiver who are associated with him at his transfiguration. And if Elijah is one of the two witnesses in the Revelation, he will again be raptured in the future, uh, meaning that Elijah is sort of a rapture junkie. Um, well, Obadiah thought he was going to be raptured all the time. And if you read in the text, the, just the verses we read, it seemed like it was a pretty commonplace for Elijah to pop in and pop out of places uh, as, a, as a rapture. Ezekiel chapter 3, we ask, does Ezekiel get raptured? It says, then the spirit lifted me up and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Behold is the glory, or blessed rather, is the glory of the Lord from his place. I also heard the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another and the noise of the wheels beside them and a great thunderous noise. So the spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Then I came to the captives at Tel Abib who dwelt by the river Kibar and I sat where they sat and remained there, astonished among them seven days. And so he says that the spirit lifted him up and he describes the scene in heaven. And the next thing he knows, he's by the river Kabar. Uh, so clearly God transported Ezekiel from one place to another in a rapture. Isaiah was taken to heaven and then returned to earth. You're familiar with this from Isaiah 6. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. One cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, send me. And so Isaiah is taken into heaven uh, where he has this encounter with the seraphim and the coal touches his lips. He receives a new commissioning from the Lord and is sent out on his mission. And so that, as far as I can tell, that concludes the raptures in the Old Testament. The first rapture in the New Testament that we read about is that of Philip the evangelist. Having just led the Ethiopian eunuch to faith in Jesus, the text says, this is Acts chapter 8 beginning in verse 36, now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. 
And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. And so primed as we are from the Old Testament, we have no trouble understanding what this means, that God simply uh, transported, translated Philip to another location. It's kind of fun, uh, good, solid evangelical scholars, but who deny the supernatural, they'll say things like the eunuch was just so enraptured with uh, what had just happened to him that he didn't notice that Philip left and just walked off on his own and stuff. And, and um, you know, God maybe isn't rapturing people as much today as, uh, although I don't know, there's a lot, how many billion people are there on the planet now? Like six and a half billion, or is there, are there that many? Five and a half, six and a half? Um, I, I don't know what the Lord is doing in different places and if people are still being raptured, but it was absolutely common. Everybody expected it in the Old Testament. Uh, and so as you transition into the New Testament, it's not unusual that God would still uh, do this, especially in the transition time of the book of Acts. And so apparently Philip comes up uh, out of the, or the Ethiopian comes up out of the water and Philip is not there because he is caught away to another city. The apostle Paul was taken to heaven and then returned to the earth. He says in 2 Corinthians 12, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. How he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Uh, and so Paul uh, twice mentions that he was caught up, we would say raptured to the third heaven and received visions and revelations from the Lord. Paul's heavenly trip reminds us of Isaiah's throne room commission. Paul, via rapture, received a commission, message, and revelation that became the foundation for the unique purpose for the church during this age. He says in Ephesians, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. And so Paul, we don't know when, some speculate it's the time that he was nearly, or that he was stoned to death and then returned to life. They believe that maybe that's when he went up, but we don't know when. He says it was 14 years ago from the time that he was writing 2 Corinthians, uh, and he's humble about it. He says, I know a man. He's speaking, of course, hypothetically of himself or parenthetically about himself, and uh, he was raptured into heaven and saw things that he was not given the uh, permission to utter. Uh, by the way, um, there are lots of descriptions of heaven by guys in the Bible. And I only mention this because I think sometimes we are, I think as Christians, I, I want to be careful saying this, but I think sometimes Christians are overly critical when we don't need to be. There are a lot of people who have out-of-body experiences, okay? And some people say they've been to heaven and back. I think probably 99.9% .9 of that is bogus. Uh, but the argument we always throw up is, well, Paul went to heaven and he says, you're not supposed to talk about it. What Paul said is that he heard things that he wasn't supposed to utter, uh, but we just saw Isaiah describe heaven. He was taken to heaven and he described it. And we're gonna see in a minute, John the apostle is taken to heaven and he described it. And so that can't be our argument. Our argument can't be you didn't see heaven because God says you're not supposed to describe it because there are Bible men who went to heaven and described it. Uh, so do people have these experiences? I don't know. Uh, I don't have a real problem with it. 
as long as they're not teaching some other doctrine or asking you to follow them or doing it for profit or saying things that are unbiblical. And I don't think, you know, you want to put your faith in it or, you know, put more stock in it than in the Bible. But um, God does crazy things, you know, with his people sometimes. And uh, I think, you know, rather than just blow people's doors off immediately, hear them out, think it through, and say what the Bible says. The Bible says, well, there were some men who were taken to heaven. They give a certain description of it. It's very limited. Uh, I suppose it's possible that this could happen. Uh, you know, what, what do you get out of that? How does that minister to you? That kind of thing. So um, maybe I'm just going soft in my old age, but... Uh, but at least from a biblical point of view, don't use incorrect arguments. Don't say we are not supposed to describe heaven because there, there are guys who do describe heaven under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so the next rapture that I can find is that of John in the Revelation, Revelation 4, 1 and 2. After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Now, based on the outline of the book given in chapter one of the revelation, we can see John as a type of the church being raptured before the tribulation begins. Um, but uh, basically John uh, seems to be taken to heaven. Uh, there are arguments about whether he just sees a vision or whether he's actually in heaven, but it's clear that he's taken, transported to heaven to see some beautiful things that take place there. And, and to us, he is a type, because we're premillennial, pre-tribulational, we see him as a type of the entire church being taken to heaven before the tribulation. Uh, now, there is a rapture during the tribulation. That's when the two witnesses are killed as their bodies lie in state for the whole world to see and celebrate. Then in Revelation 11, 11, we read, now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. And so these two witnesses, maybe Moses and Elijah, maybe Enoch and Elijah, maybe just two guys that are raised up in the end times, we don't know, but they are invincible for three and a half years. And uh, if people come against them, they call fire down from heaven and burn them to smithereens. And I mean, they're just preaching the gospel like crazy. And then the Antichrist is given power over them. He kills them. The whole world watches them lying in state in Jerusalem on television or whatever internet, uh, whatever device they have, or maybe a brain implant, who knows by then. And then after three and a half days, they raise from the dead while the whole world watches. And then they are raptured into heaven. And uh, pretty, pretty tremendous stuff. In the last days in which you and I live, Christians will be caught up bodily to heaven prior to God's wrath being poured out in judgment. This is the rapture we know, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord." Filling this out in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, meaning die, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And so um, 
we are expecting, we meaning the church age believers, are expecting the resurrection and the rapture of the church uh, at an undisclosed time. First, the saints that are dead in Christ will rise from the grave, be given their resurrection bodies, and then immediately following that, uh, you and I who are alive and remain will be changed and translated, given our glorified bodies, and will all be taken up to heaven before the tribulation. Now, we need to be reminded of the unique insights into prophetic truths that our generation has been privileged to receive. It's our generation that has witnessed the most important prophetic event of the last days, and that is the regathering of the Jews as a nation in their promised land. Uh, if you know, people, people want miracles, they wanna know, hey, how come God doesn't do miracles anymore? The nation of Israel, her very existence as a people and as a nation is a modern day miracle, and it is an answer to many, many, many prophecies. It is the absolute fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, and, and we are privileged to have seen that, you know, in the sense that it is towards the end of uh, history. I mean, some of you were born before that, 1948, but uh, some of you a little bit after that, some of you way after that, but we see that. We see it playing out in our world today. We also see a lot of other things that could not have been true in any other generation. Uh, I just talked about the two witnesses. The whole world will watch them as they rise from the dead and ascend into heaven. That wasn't possible even a few years ago. It wasn't all that possible to see live television all over the world. Now we expect it, uh, you know, we expect to see things as they're happening no matter where in the world they're going on. But I, I remember I researched this a, a few years back. I forget the statistics, but just a, maybe in the 60s even, we couldn't watch the Olympics live. It was on some kind of weird delayed satellite feed, you know, and, and stuff. And, and so uh, we're spoiled. And, but so when the Bible said, oh, the whole world is going to watch, people laughed and they scoffed and they said, well, that's impossible. How's that going to happen? And now we know how that's going to happen. We do prophecy update every week talking about the mark of the beast and the technology that exists to fulfill that. And now we're talking about genetic manipulation, like in the days of Noah. So we are, you know, the generation, as it were, I'm not saying we're the generation that, that you know, the 1948 generation or anything like that, but our generation, our time is seeing things that no previous generation ever could have imagined possible. Guys like H.A. Ironside who were writing about these things and predicting that, that Israel would be a nation and all these things would happen, they were ridiculed as if they were talking about fantasy and fables and, and taking the Bible literally was something stupid in those days. It was all allegorized and now we see that. And so I think we have a responsibility to understand prophecy and to be ready to give an answer to everyone of the hope that is in us. And um, that's why it's incredible to me that so many Christians today are shying away from prophecy just at the time when it's coming into its own, as it were, and people are really interested in this. Do you realize how interested the world is in prophecy? Every other show is about the apocalypse or some kind of dystopian future or the end of the world. And uh, mainstream television is using the word rapture as if everybody knows what you're talking about now. How many of you remember the Jupiter effect? Anybody remember the Jupiter effect? Norm, that's good. The Jupiter effect is something not in the Bible. Uh, it, was a, it was in 19, let's see, I'm trying to remember, 79 or 80. 
And uh, all the planets were supposed to be lined up with, in, in line, and because Jupiter is so big and exerts such a gravimetric pull, it was going to do devastating things to the Earth. And so all these prophecy teachers were talking about the day of the Jupiter effect, and um, nothing happened. I, I remember waking up that day thinking, huh, is anything any different, you know? But, and nothing happened. Uh, and, and so used to be when we were into prophecy, we used to make things up that weren't in the Bible. So fast forward now, this year, I told you a couple of times, and we're going to talk about it next week again, I told you a few times about the Revelation 12 constellation and uh, the alignment of stars and planets that, that Revelation 12. Well, that actually did happen this year on a certain date, and that's why all these people were predicting the rapture was going to occur because of certain things. And, um, and most Christians laughed at that. And so years ago, we would buy anything. You know, it's like, hey, this isn't in the Bible, but this sounds cool. Hey, this is in the Bible. Yeah, I don't care about that because God doesn't give heavenly signs. Since when? Of course he does. We just don't always know what to do with them. And so um, I'm really passionate about Bible prophecy more so than ever uh, because we live in, in these last days, but also because so many Christians don't want to talk about it. And so do we talk about it too much? I, I don't think so. Uh, it, but we're going to keep talking about it, not exclusively, uh, but it's important. It's at least, we're gonna talk about it at least 30% of the time because that's how often the Bible talks about it. And we'll talk about what's pertinent. And I don't think spending five or six minutes on a Sunday morning reminding us that Jesus is coming is wrong, right? And so we'll keep doing that. And the reason I do it for you guys is so that you can give an answer to people, a reasonable answer to what's going on in our world today. Uh, and it's because people want to know. They're afraid that they're gonna be eaten by zombies. I mean, seriously, people really are. They're afraid that they're going to be eaten by fast-moving zombies and that the end of the world is going to happen. And the end of the world is not going. You, you realize the world isn't ending, right? That Jesus is gonna take his church He's gonna pour out his wrath, uh, which is a way of drawing men to himself. And then he's coming back to establish a kingdom on the earth for a thousand years. And then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. So there's no end. We're just moving towards the beginning and the restoration of all things. And you and I know this. And we, even if you don't think you know much about prophecy, you know a hundred times more than the average non-believer who's getting their teaching from television and from the movies. And so um, it's, it's important to people and it's an area where we need to be strengthened and I, 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 I'm glad that you guys are on board with all that.